Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, bringing you front row seats to the SaaS Revolution. I'm your host, Alex Suma, and uh, I'm always super excited with the guests we have on. Uh, and that couldn't be more truer than today, as uh, you know, I've waited for this uh, moment for a, a long time, and uh, there's a good reason for that. And my guest uh, today is a former employee of, uh, of Salesforce, and uh, he helped Salesforce scale to 100 million uh, ARR by building uh, a sales machine. Uh, and he's an award-winning author of uh, Predictable Revenue. So you've probably guessed who it is. Welcome to the show, Aaron Ross. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Happy to be here. Yeah. yeah. We're super, super happy to be here and uh, for you to be here, actually. So, uh, so Aaron, as I said, I mean, you know, I've been wanting to have you as a guest for a while. And um, uh, I think, you know, we... Uh, we, we discussed over email that would be the right time to to have you on as you you're coming you know to to, to launch your new book as you spent a lot of time um, you know writing that um, uh, last I year. I did. It was a pain in the ass. <laughs> okay, I'm still I'm still yet to one thing. One thing is you know write a book. Maybe in the future. I'm not sure if I've got any material to write a book yet, but uh, I can imagine it's uh, it's pretty tough. But this is your second book. Um, and your first mm-hmm. book, Predictable Revenue, uh, your book in building the sales machine at Salesforce to 100 million ARR, you know, th- this is kind of fabled in, you know, the, the, the SaaS industry and, you know, what has this book meant to you and, you know, have you been able to measure how it's impacted the SaaS community at all? Uh, well, yeah, Predictable Revenue, it, it's interesting. I, I don't really have a way to measure it except I will say, you know, the first time I knew it was starting to... Uh, now they call it the sales bible of Silicon Valley, but two two or three years ago, I think it was 2011 or 12, no. Anyway, a couple of years ago, I keynoted the first sales hacker conference in, in San Francisco, and there's like two or 300 people there. So, I don't know, like big for, if you've never done conferences, but small compared to others. And I asked, like, how many people read Predictable Revenue? And probably 90% of the, their hands went up. And uh, it's become, I hear it over, and I, my father will say he's on the airplane, there's someone reading it next to him, or the funniest story, this is how, again, how I measure is like random occurrences. My wife, her friend, was, went on a date with somebody and was stopped by his place, and it was on his, uh, you know, table someplace. And there, he's in like a trap, he's a trapeze artist. Like, okay, that's, so, I don't really have a way to measure it, except that it's, happens to it's like those random coincidences like would never there's a couple of times on the street i've been stopped like hey are you aaron ross like in, in, <laughs> yeah. in whole foods i'm like what yeah so that's pretty yeah. good well, it's fun that way i i mean i, I add a story to that I and mean, in fact one of the podcasts i recorded was um with a, a young founder called jacob maroff down in copenhagen he's got a a, a SaaS startup called pipe top and in his uh, customer development phase i think he interviewed like 40 potential customers and the ones that he interviewed, as a thank you, he bought them all predictable revenue and gave them all predictable revenue uh, as, as a present. So I thought that was uh, pretty cool. Um, so hopefully they've all uh, read that. Uh, but, yeah, that uh, is cool. Um, you know, he, there's still time to get a bulk order of the new book before yeah. it launches. <laughs> yeah, no, de- <laughs> definitely, definitely. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about um, uh, how people can do that um, um, uh, in a bit. And you, you, so, you know, talking about this new book now, you, you said you've been working on it for, for some time. Time. And, and this time you've been working on it or, you know, co-authoring it with Jason Lemkin um, yeah. from Sasta. And uh, yeah. so, you, you know, is this the, the sequel to Predictable, uh, Predictable Revenue? Um, you know, and, and, and what's it called? Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. So if you if you don't know, if you haven't read Predictable Revenue, you don't you don't need to in a way. It's it's different. This book really it's a sequel plus a prequel plus an update. So it sort of, it uh, not only 
adds there's a whole section there called nail it nail a niche mm-hmm. which is like the it's like the prequel it's like what you need to do before predictable revenue but the new book also goes into um i mean we, we can get into that but you know the entrepreneur's journey and sales and marketing so it's, it's bigger it's it's much better it's bigger it's a growth book it really it, it explains like and so these answers these questions you might have, which is why if I'm why am I struggling, or why am I not growing as fast as I want? Like how do I grow faster and how do I keep it up? And uh, the title, which was uh, now we went over like so many damn titles, it was a pain in my you know. There's there's definitely some parts I loved about this book and I love books, but that can be quite frustrating, which is a probably a different story. But the title is called From Impossible to Inevitable. Okay. Um, why why the name? Uh, you know, it's funny, Jason, so Jason Lumpkin, if you haven't heard of him or don't follow him, he's just, he's a brilliant guy, one of the few people I actually follow, and he started Saster, mm-hmm. has this big conference, Saster Annual, and the, the title, like, the title of the conference this year is From Impossible to Inevitable. And I think where that, the idea came, comes from is the beginning of having a company, or, like, having any kind of really big goal, it feels impossible. I mean, unless you're young enough to sort of be, like, the you know, ignorant about what it takes to do something big. Because starting a company is hard. Well, actually, sorry. starting a company is easy. Getting it off the ground to make it cash flow positive where you can make a great income can be hard, mm. um, much less like a $10 million, $100 million. So anyway, at the beginning, it can seem impossible to get to these goals. But if you just keep doing the work, especially with a SaaS company, then you get, you know, your first 10 customers, you know, your first customers, then your next your first 10 unaffiliated customers, you get to like a million ARR and then 10 million. At some point, it beca- you become an in- uh, success is inevitable. You get the flywheel turning and you can't help but be successful. So that's sort of the idea of the book, which is how do you take these impossible goals that you have and make sure that you will be successful at some point, you know, inevitable success. Okay, and, and you, you mentioned um, uh, a, a bit earlier the, the kind of prequel element to it, the, the nailing a, a, a niche, or you say, I think the, the US folks say niche, uh, well, I say, I say, yeah. ni- I say niche. Uh, and, um, but, you uh, and Canadians, yeah. Canadians say it that way too. Okay, okay, uh, they're in the Commonwealth um, with us, I think that's why. Um, and um, so you, it talks about, you know, you're not ready to grow until you nail, uh, uh, I'm gonna, I'll use the US um, uh, saying of it, niche. Uh, yep. And um, you know that's one of the key messages, um, you, you know, for that. Can you elaborate, uh, elaborate a little why you know that's so? Why you're not ready to grow until you nail that? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I can't speak for Jason, but I know f- from personal experience uh, because a lot of my my personal the way I make money, my business is mostly around helping companies. Um, I do keynotes, but but usually for years it's been helping companies build outbound prospecting teams and programs to generate more leads. Mm-hmm. And so I'll get, you know, over the years, I'll get companies who say, hey, we're ready to grow. We just need more leads. And either, you know, we sort of talk to them or maybe I've done a project or something happens and just realize there's lots of companies and people who think I, I'm ready to grow. Okay, I need more leads. Or I just need to hire more salespeople. Or I need to spend money on marketing. And they actually, they're not ready to grow because they haven't really, really, they think they figured out who their customer is and what they care about, but they haven't. And... You know, in this whole section, it's, it's uh, you know, there's actually a bunch of really important ideas in it. But one of them is this idea that I call it, um, you know, uh, 
most companies, you start out, and by by definition, you should be getting customers from your networks, people you know, friends of friends, um, some place where you have some leg up to start. But the challenge is you get to your first few customers or 50 customers, or sometimes people grow to millions through what's called word of mouth. And at some point when you decide you need to grow faster, you need to, it's about creating a skill to go out and talk, communicate, find and communicate with people who've never heard of you. Right. So your organic growth gets you so far, then you need to be, to have proactive growth. Mm -hmm. And what people don't understand until you go through this or you underestimate is you think, okay, you know, we got 50 customers through word of mouth in some way. And so, um, you know, maybe it'll be like twice as hard to get the next 50 because the first 50 were easier. Not that they were easy. Or so I think it's it's the same thinking like, Hey, we live in San Francisco. Maybe we'll just move to San Diego. Like, but it's not that big a difference. The reality is like getting, finding and, and engaging and selling to customers who've never heard of you or your company. It's like, you vastly underestimate how much harder that is. Vastly. It's not, it's not like moving from San Francisco to San Diego. It's like moving from San Francisco to China. It's like, so what happens, people think, oh, you know, it'll take us three months to grow. And two years later, they're still struggling to really figure out how to grow past, you know, in ways that don't require relationships or word of mouth in some way, right? So it's, uh, it's, but in the chapter, I go through, you know, like why is, you know, break it down. Like why is it harder? What do you do about it? How to understand it and account for it? Okay. Okay. And, um, you, you know, as I say, I mean, I, I've uh, been lucky enough to get an early copy of the, of the book and sort of read through that. So I, I thought that was interesting to, uh, to have that, um, you, you know, as, uh, uh, as an early chapter there. And, um, you, you know, it's one of the standout things for, for me. And uh, also there, there, there are, you know, as, as this is kind of a, you know, a, a growth playbook, um, you, you know, there's some case studies from these hyper growth companies uh, like Zenefits and Slack and HubSpot yep. and you know and me and, and, and my personal one and, and your and your personal one as well of course and uh, you know so so do we think that you, you know if we if we look at uh, I guess kind of those examples um, that they're all implementing you know the playbook and that you you know if people you know read impossible impossible to inevitable and they take this sort of growth playbook that there could be you know a ton more SaaS startups getting to hyper growth um, you know and this billion dollar valuation yeah i don't know about the billion dollar valuation <laughs> but yeah just at least to go from you know feeling like you're struggling to grow to having some sense of understanding what does it take like why aren't you growing faster and what does it take to grow faster so i you know and my personal story, I went through this myself where you know, after I worked at Salesforce for a few years, left, and I was trying some different things. And, um, you know, I was like, I don't want to start a tech company. I mean, I want to, I want to make as much money as I want doing what I love. I don't know what that is, but I'm going to try. I did this thing called Unique Genius, which is sort of trying to, it was helping like more like personal life coaching, how to make money through enjoyment mm-hmm. for individuals, how do you combine fulfillment and money did that. Um, I did something called CEO Flow, including a book around it, how to turn your employees into mini CEOs. So it's like, is it, if you're a leader, how do you create more self-managing teams? And, you know, the thing is, even in those and you know, other projects, and you know, those were, you know, really interesting, but they were hard to grow. 
Like there wasn't really a way to grow them without that wasn't incredibly like laborious um, and unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And part of those lessons for me personally, and seeing all these other companies, is like you know the the level of skill it takes to grow proactively. You know, you might think out of a one out of ten, you might think, oh, okay, maybe you just need to be like a three or a five or seven, but you need to be like a nine to really be able to grow your company pro- proactively. And for me, that's where when I got married and had, you know, had five years ago, I got married and like, oh, I had two kids, you know, with that marriage from my wife's prior marriage. We had a baby right away. You know, I had this oh shit moment where, oh, I got to make a lot more money. And when it came down to what's the easiest way to make money for me, it, it was not like you need genius. It wasn't CEO flow, which are, you know, more fuzzier. Mm-hmm. It was predictable revenue. It was basically showing companies how to create money. And so going through that whole thing and evaluating, here's these different opportunities, which ones are, you know, what does it take to be able to grow and then doing it? Cause I've grown my business more than 10 times in the last four years from, you know, under, there's like a 60, $70,000 income four years ago to almost a million dollars last year. Mm-hmm. And so going through that myself, you know, all those lessons went into this chapter, and I think that's why it's the number one, it's the most important. People so often they don't understand what is what place do you have to be in your career or as a company in order that that you're even able to grow faster. So uh, that, I, I think that's sort of interesting. You know, as you uh, you know talk about your your personal story there, and uh, you, you know give that as, as an example of hyper growth. You know, this ten uh, x growth in the in, in the last four years. Um, you, you know, uh, for me, very interesting uh, to to read about. You know, as a, a, as an entrepreneur at the beginning of you know his journey, and you know certainly would uh, aspire to have ten x growth. Uh, um, within four years, my, myself, as I'm sure many uh, entrepreneurs sort of listening, and uh, kind of you know that that personal element to uh, the book Impo- uh, Impossible to Inevitable, um, which I think you know, if I can remember predictable revenue, certainly you know correctly, uh, perhaps there there was you know a, a bit of personal sort of story in there, but certainly I think you know I felt a lot more uh, in this book, maybe because I've I've read it you know uh, uh, much more recently, but. Um, I, I, that was one of the things that uh, you know really sort of pleasantly surprised me, and that, that, that there was almost this kind of there was the personal story, there was this motivational, almost self help kind of feel in some of the chapters. You know, define your own destiny, uh, for example. Personal stories that resonate with the struggles of being a founder. Some of the struggles that you know that I'm going through, that many of the you, you know the founders probably listening are going through, and that some of the hardships that both you and Jason have had whilst you, you're doing you know incredibly well now. You know, you've gone through hardships like you know many of us sort of go through in the early stages. So why did you why did you bring this into you know the, the SaaS sort of growth playbook? Uh, you know, uh, as such. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think it's a really important. To and like I sound, I think believe you have kids. Alex. Yeah, I've got one yeah. and a half. Uh, one, okay, because the half is on the way. Other half yeah. is on the way. Number two. Yeah, a lot of people have kids. And, you know, there's some part in the book. It's like you know, if you're trying to grow your company, you can't ignore your life too, or the lives of your employees. Um, it's not that it's bad or good. It's just let's be real about here's the environment. If you suffer from depression, if you or if you don't, or if you have, I have. 12 kids now. I went from in the last four years, not only growing the, my, my own personal income and business by more than 10 times, 
family went from this like zero to 12. Hyper growth. Uh, Hyper growth family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, everyone's got challenges in life. It's not bad. It's just being able to be, I guess, honest about them uh, and, and not being afraid to acknowledge them. Because I think when you hide things from yourself or others, uh, it just, it's sort of like better just to deal with the problems up front and acknowledge them and work around them rather than try to pretend they don't exist is one part. And the other part is, you know, the reality in the book, there's a whole section called do the time. Right? Mm-hmm. And there's seven parts. There's seven painful truths with each, you know, one for each section. And the section number five is called do the time. The painful truth is it's going to take years longer than you want. Like for that big goal, it's going to take years longer than you want. And people, we hate to, you know, we hate to acknowledge that, but it's, it means that, you know, all the struggles you're going through and you never don't have some struggle because as you go on, you, you solve some struggles, then you get a new one. Hopefully they're better struggles. But, um, you know, if, if you've been at a company for five years and you're still at like a few hundred thousand in revenue per year or a couple million, and you're like, God, is this, why is this so, so hard for me? Everyone else is nailing it. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It doesn't mean you're failing. It might mean you're just like on this path of doing what you need to do to get, you know, it can be seven to 10 years. It doesn't mean, by the way, it doesn't mean you're doing everything right. Obviously, I, we wouldn't write the, you know, there's a lot of ideas in the book which would be useful, but don't quit. Don't give up. Don't think you're failing. It's just, it takes you years longer than you want. So there's like those sorts of lessons, which is as you're trying to figure out what to, how to grow, it's not 30 days, it's not 90 days, it can be years. I mean, sometimes it's faster, but you can't count on that. I mean, uh, in, you know, <laughs> scaling, I, I'm still a little uh, sort of awestruck in uh, not only the 10x growth of, um, you, you know, your business, but the 10x growth of your family, you know, at, yeah. at the same time. Lots of adoptions too. Yeah, yeah but, uh, um, I, and, and I think I've, I, I've sort of read that and, you, you, you know, that, that's, um, you, you know, very credible of you and, and the way, well, I don't know how you, you've managed that um, because as I say I, I struggle with, uh, you know, one and a half and, uh, you know, being in a being <laughs> That's an the entrepreneur. hardest. Yeah, <laughs> it was actually pretty hard up until I think once we got to like five. Sorry, then after five, we I think we had our system. Plus, we adopted some older kids too, like some teenagers, and okay. they're great. They don't really. It's not that they help out, but they're just really. They're um, the hardest, like physically grueling, is that first year with the baby. Yeah, that's that's the tough one. It's the sleep deprivation. I think I remember. Yeah, just I, physically I, grueling. Yeah, I think I remember the, the like maybe like the first five podcasts or so that. That I did was the you, you know when my daughter was just a, like you know well just born and then a couple of months old and I wasn't getting any sleep in, in you know in a two month three month period and I was on four or five cans of Red Bull a day and taking podcast calls with the folks in the West Coast at nine p.m. and I was just you know I was out I was on I didn't know what I was saying <laughs> it, it was hard but you know yep. got through it and then you you just kind of get the breakthrough and you know get the sleep pattern. And, you know, we're not turning this into a, a baby and kids podcast, but uh, I, yeah. I guess, it, it, you know, the story perhaps, um, you, you know, sort of resonates with uh, maybe, you know, many of the entrepreneurs out there who, who have kids. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it, it, was, t- it, well, it, it was tough. Well, and it's easy. It's like you've been at it for, th- you know, three or four years. You're like, ah, oh, this isn't working. So I'm just going to spend tonight, instead of my regular podcast, maybe I'll just watch Netflix tonight. You know, and you, then you then you start you know, doing that more and more, and you sort of uh, you don't like consciously give up. You just 
you know, take your foot off the pedal in some way or go into neutral, which hey, we were like, so there's always times there's every, and I'm not, I don't put a lot of hours into my work. Most, and I said in the book, most weeks I work 20 to 30 hours a week. Um, some weeks more if I have to travel. So it's not necessarily just the hours that can't help, mm-hmm. but it's also like the commitment and the willingness to get out of your comfort zone to do things that you know you, it's like for a lot of people, you probably would want to write, you're like, if I, if I wrote a, I really want to write a book, but, and then you come up with a million reasons why you don't. And, if, you know, if you just decided, I'm, here's the most important thing, I'm going to write this book, or I'm going to launch this product, or I'm going to do X, or I'm going to do Y, or I might be, I need to get divorced, or like, you, like, you make that happen, because if you don't put that as the top, your whole week can get filled up with all the little tasks that happen every day. And you never get to that big thing that you, you know, or or your anxieties. You just uh, like, well, I'm nervous, so I'm gonna go check email, or you know, look on Instagram for two hours. All those things get in the way of just staying focused and clear on like this. I'm going to make this grow. Like I have to make this grow, and I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Uh, it's not squishy, but yeah, I'm totally committed to this this yeah. thing, whatever it is. Or it could be a, a relationship. Like you can't be if you're like one foot in, one foot out. Whether it's a relationship or like a business growth, you know, you, you're not going. It's not going to happen. So if you, uh, you and Jason, I know this book, you know, hasn't launched yet, but it's launching on the the ninth of February. In fact, uh, the the day that will coincide, this podcast will be, uh, you know, published on the uh, on the ninth of Feb. And actually, that's the day that Sasta kicks off, right? Sasta mm-hmm. annual. Yeah. Um, have Have you already been discussing, uh, you, you know, a, 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 like a a third book, a, a trilogy? You know, no, no, <laughs> no. no. This no. is this is it. Or yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Actually, my, my wife, I, I have a lot of fun. Um, I, I'd say like writing this book wasn't fun. It was fulfilling in ways. Uh, it was it was definitely struggles. And I resonated with someone who said once, like every book he wrote, it's a best-selling author. At some point during the process, the creative process, he ended up on the floor, like pounding the floor and crying, like in a fetal <laughs> position. And But I think that there is something in this. I think people are realizing now that when you do create something that's that's new and significant, at least to you, that you go through those phases as part of it. Uh, I, I have a lot of fun. I've been helping my wife with some books that she's been working on. She hasn't published anything yet. She's not going to publish it under her own name, but mm-hmm. it's been really fun helping her. So not my own, but with my, my wife's will be at some point. It's easier with someone else's stuff, which is also why a lot of people don't start their own business, don't write their own book, don't do their own yeah. blog, you know, blog, because it's like, oh, what do people think? Uh, what if they hate it? <laughs> Yeah, you got to get over that. No, definitely, definitely. So, 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 as I say, the the book's coming out soon. Uh, who should buy this book, and uh, and where can the listeners of, uh, of of this podcast and the readers of subscribe uh, buy your book? Yep. So I'm actually. Then there's one. I'm gonna go back to the the first session on the Ellen Niche because there's like one really important idea I want to share with people. Yep. And I'll get to the books because. Like one of these, there's a bunch of ideas in the, this, this is the first chapter. But one is if you have either a services business or if you're selling a platform, because you know, I know I'm sure it's not just pure SaaS that listens mm-hmm. here, but services business, like more of a platform business. Um, or there's lots of, pro- if you have a bunch of products, you know, the, the there's a shift in, you know, especially services, but there's a shift in your mindset that is required in order to grow. 
So if you're not growing yet and you're wondering why, it's probably, this is by one of the pieces. And, and the thing is, you're used to going, what's made you successful to get to where you are is that you can go to uh, talk to a customer and, or a prospect and, they'll, and you say, hey, what's your, what are your problems? And they'll tell you their problems. And you're like, okay, yeah, we got some stuff. We can solve that. And here's how. And you're used to being that consultative. We can sort of do all kinds of things. If we know exactly what you need, we can do it. That has worked for you to now, but that's what will stop you from growing because the growth mindset is 180 degrees. It's, uh, it's okay, You're, you ask them, do you have this problem? And if they say no, they say yes or no. If they don't have it, then you're, okay, we're moving on because there's one problem we solve. That is a huge mindset shift for especially services, but sometimes platform companies that are used to sort of you know, building anything for anyone. But uh, let me go back relative to your question. People who should buy this book, for sure, if you're an executive or leader in any business-to-business company, CEO, VP sales, sales marketing, um, if you care about revenue, and if, you, if, you, if you're if you a CTO, like if you're, if you're a leader but you're not a C-level, or if you're not, um, like you should, you need to know about how to grow companies if you want to be, advance your career whether you're in tech. So anyone who is or wants to be a leader in a, in a business-to-business company, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, also, too, if you actually, I mentioned at the back, if you read between the lines of the book, if you're sort of stuck with your career and you're trying to figure out how to grow it, the same principles that help create hyper-growth for companies, it's really a, the same for a person. So, you know, it's like I've used this myself. And, uh, you know, like for example, this, that last chapter, and there's seven parts, or like this last part, it's called Define Your Destiny. It's the chapter that, it's all like the, uh, you know, it's all the stuff an owner of a company wants to tell their employees, but is afraid to. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a hard truth that you need to hear if you want to be successful. You know, it's um, like one, I think, as you mentioned it before we started this, uh, it's easier to dream than to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is, you know, dreaming is important, but at some point, if it's replacing the doing, you, you know, you're not going to get to any of those goals. Those impossible goals you want are going to stay impossible. Yeah. At some point, you have to take the steps, even if they're baby steps. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, and as I said, just, you know, before we, um, uh, you, you know, we had this call and, and we were discussing, you know, I mentioned that I, I was perhaps sort of dreaming for, for 10 years before I, I started, you know, doing more, more recently. And uh, so that definitely that, um, you, you know, sort of resonates uh, with me. I took the easy option and now I'm taking the, the, the harder option, but actually, you, you know, just really, really enjoying it despite, you know, the fact that it is tough, right? Um, yeah. Well, I think anything, if you look at having, if you don't, it's like having kids is really hard in lots of ways, but it's incredibly fulfilling in other ways. Starting a business that succeeds is hard in many ways, but can be very fulfilling in other ways. So it's a lot of people don't have kids, don't start a business, don't write a book because they can see what they'll lose. Like if I have kids, I'll lose my freedom or I'll cost money, but it's hard to see what they'll, you know, it's like harder. They're more afraid of losing what they can see they'll lose versus gaining something they're not sure what they'll gain. And, and having kids and starting a business at the same time is, uh, is, is crazy hard. <laughs> yeah, growing, growing both <laughs> or by stupid. 10x or, or, in four yeah. years. Yeah. But um, it's, so, uh, yeah, and I have, an, I, have a, I have an amazing life. It's a lot, I mean, every day I'm frustrated. Every day I'm tired in some ways, but also other parts of the day, it's, it's amazing. It's all worth it. 
Yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. I mean, you, you know, the, the, the same, you know, life is, uh, it, you know, can be hard and tough, but it's all, it's all definitely worth it. So, so where, where can the listeners, um, you know, and readers buy this, uh, buy this book? Uh, the, the easiest place from impossible.com is the site from impossible.com. And of course on Amazon, I don't know about different countries, but it's, uh, from impossible to inevitable on Amazon is probably mostly worldwide at this point. Mm-hmm. It's not translated. It's just in English. It's going to be, I believe, uh, actually Chinese is the first one to be translated to, but it's like okay. a year away. So from impossible.com or on Amazon, the easiest. Okay. Awesome. And, uh, and, and even, uh, I think you mentioned sort of like bulk orders, uh, as well. Or was that the video that I watched? Um, so is that yeah. aimed at the, uh, the corporate sector? Yeah, from impossible.com, there's information, there's some bonuses and some gifts. There's lots of companies who they want to get it for their entire sales team or their entire company or give them away as part of their own lead generation. Like you said, the the guy who gave the book away to people he met, there's so people are, you know, ordering to as part of campaigns or um I so yeah, there's there's levels from you can you know, from one up to ten thousand books. So Awesome. All kinds of variety. And you can get a free sample from impossible.com as well. Okay, cool. So that's uh, from impossible.com. And uh, Aaron, you know, it's been a real pleasure to, to have you on the, uh, on the show today. I think this is, the, this is probably the first podcast uh, that I've recorded where, in fact, you know, we've included perhaps, you know, some more personal stories and not necessarily, you know, just talked about SaaS. And, uh, you know, that's, I think, you know, the same, you know, with your book that certainly, you know, it has those chapters that, that brings in this, uh, this entrepreneurial yeah, I didn't journey. Want to- and I personally didn't want the book to be just like another sales book and like a boring mm. one. It's, it's def- it is different and there's the art. And I, I tend to write, um, you know, Jason can speak for himself differently, but at least for my contribution, I want it to be more like a book I want to read, not like another same old sales and marketing book that repeats the same old stuff. Again yep. and again and again, blah 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 blah. Yeah, well, well, definitely you uh, you achieve that. Um, and so, um, <laughs> yeah. so c- c- congrats, and uh, and I hope the book does uh, does really well. So, uh, so thanks for being uh, on the show. That's uh, that's the end of today's show. If you like this episode, then we'd really appreciate if you rated and reviewed us on iTunes. Um, and we'll speak to you next time. And, and thank you, Aaron Ross. Yeah, I'll say thank you very much, and thank you all listeners. <laughs>